Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you again today, hello. Hello, good morning. <laughs> Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and me, Brianna Larimer. And we are closing out yet again another series. I can't believe we're in June either, by the way. Oh my goodness. Time flies. It does. It absolutely does. We hope you've been with us on this three-part series. Uh, We started it out a couple weeks ago talking about doing more with less. And so today as we kind of round this topic out, uh, we're going to talk about just general maximizing resources to really do more with less. Uh, We started out talking about the element of burnout, uh, maybe some preventative strategies with that, emphasize the element in training the second week and now really talking about just plain straightforward tactics that you can use as leaders and as individuals. So let me ask you, what has been your favorite part in doing this particular series? What do you hope our listeners are getting out of it? I hope they're getting out uh, to avoid some of the mistakes that I made <laughs> early in well, my that's career. that's always a hope of these. <laughs> yeah. What not to do. Yeah. What not to do. What yeah. not to do. Um, I, I hope that people are realizing that they already hold the answers. Yeah. I think there's such a a moment of clarity when you realize you already have everything you need to live a fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that only you are the one that will be able to take control of that. Like, and we talked about that on the last two episodes too. Uh, And I, I, there's got to be an element of almost proactivity with that rather than, than the reactivity too. Yeah. And, and even if you choose to do nothing, that that is an intentional choice. Correct. That it's not by default because you don't have the power to do anything. It's I see this going on and I choose not to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, or like I mentioned last week, let it go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just it's so empowering. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, so let's let's think through this a little bit. And when we consider maximizing resources now, we're thinking about, again, we mentioned on day one, we've had high levels of turnover. 2022, uh, I think it said about 4 million people every month were leaving the workforce. A lot of them attributing it to burnout. Burnout still glo- rising globally. So now we've got to maximize what we do have in the office. And it's hard. I get the question a lot in, in trainings with our su- new supervisors of, you You know, I'm doing the work of my frontline people that have left and trying to lead others. How do I do it all? Um, What would be your first thoughts on that? Oh, there's so much there that I can right? really unpack. Um, well, I, I I think it's all a matter of trying to balance what Stephen Covey calls the production versus the production capacity, right? So if this is the production of the desired results that we're wanting to achieve, you know, we want to make sure that that's balanced with our capacity to produce that. Um, so, you know, part of this might be just about identifying exactly what is really core <laughs> to your unit, to your business? Um, get back to basics on that. Um, you know, because you can't be everything to every 
body and everything to everything. So, you know, you really have to kind of whittle down to what is what's actually the core to your business. So, you know, take a hard look at that. Um, what, what's really core? Yeah. You know, you, you had mentioned Covey and I think he partnered with uh, someone else on this book. We'll put it in the uh, below the uh, where you can sign in, um, whatever that's called. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Brianna does it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she'll work her magic. But in the four, what he, the book titled The Four D's of Execution, and he calls those wildly important goals, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. right, he calls them the wigs. Like if every other, capa- uh, every other function, you know, in your business stops what must absolutely continue. And so you talked about, you know, get back to the basics, Mm -hmm. um, wildly important goals. And, you know, I guess the other thing I would say is once you kind of understand what the core is, is then to really think about, okay, so if this is the core business, um, what are the standards that help us determine whether or not we're successful? You know, sometimes, you know, especially when things are very stressful and things are um, very uncertain, then sometimes thinking about can those be adjusted? And what I would encourage you to do is go ask your customers, mm-hmm. um, you know, how would they like it? You know, maybe we're trying to do so much with something and your customers just really don't care about it. Right. So, you know, That's I mean, very true. And, and so we're, we're, we're spending all this time time, uh, energy and resources. And if we're going to try to maximize our resources, then, um, you know, try to get rid of those things that don't really matter to your customers. Well, and I think about this too, in terms of, I mean, because what, what a great point, Dewey, because when you th- we think about how people's expectations actually change, I mean, your customers' expectations change too, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. So we'll use the, you know, pandemic, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things I expected. I was not going to be able to go in and eat at a restaurant anymore. I would have to walk up, pick up my food myself. No one else was, you know, sometimes they'd bring it out to your car. Um, but there was just a different level of experience experience, even when we got back into the establishments, understanding that uh, maybe the level of service wasn't going to be as great mm-hmm. as it had previously because they're short on staff. People weren't wanting to work as much anymore. And so my expectations did shift. I might not have liked it, but it did shift. And so recognizing that there might there might be times then, and I don't I say this sparingly, but where you can lower your quality or lower your standards based off of, again, where are you right now? And what is it that your customers truly want or truly need? At the end of the day, I just wanted to eat. So, you know, it, it, thinking through that process a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think you're talking about that capacity and mm-hmm. capacity to produce. Um, so when those expectations change, obviously you've got to change with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you change what it is you produce. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of businesses do that. Um, we, we did, did. that. We completely changed. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> I teed that right up, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, expectations, core, you know, and I really think thinking about people and their skills Mm. Mm -hmm. right and the ones that are contributing and i'm gonna say it because this is where i come from but sometimes you've got to exit people who aren't Mm -hmm. and they've got to go be great somewhere else yeah um and i think you're doing your customers a favor i think you're doing your employees a favor Mm -hmm. um, by taking care of the people that might not be contributing in a positive way. 
Right. You know, you've always said, Ray, move them up over or out. And this is the out part. Right. And um, the folks who are the dead weight, the folks who really aren't contributing to the mission, the vision, uh, even the values of the organization. Um, you got to remember, they're going to bring down the rest of the team, those people who are yes. making a contribution. So um, that's one thing you got to think about. And it's interesting to hear that. I, I was working with a client one time and uh, he was actually going through that process of uh, this having to free somebody up for their future. And he was very concerned about the conversations with the employees around because it was going to mean additional work for uh, these uh, other employees. And he was prepping himself. And I mean, he probably we went through a lot of coaching sessions together and he had prepped for probably a good two months on what these conversations were going to look like and um, how we was really going to demonstrate his support for his people during this. And he gets in there and starts the conversation is telling me afterwards and says, well, uh, I, I was completely thrown off guard. He said, because immediately as soon as the words came out of my mouth that we were going to let so-and-so go, the employees actually jumped up for joy. <laughs> Party! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Celebration! He said, thank you. And he goes, I wasn't expecting that because they knew that it was going to be more work on them. But the reality was the the morale had gone down because of this particular employee the culture that was being created was no they longer probably fun doing to work this person's at. work anyway it probably yeah. for yeah. months and months exactly. and months yeah. until the leader is the one who figured it out yeah right. you know yeah yeah right. so it, it we work it up in our heads i think more mm -hmm. than what we probably need need to um it, recognize that once you just sit down and kind of have that conversation and and realize what you're really doing is allowing somebody to go be great somewhere else because if they're not happy there then maybe there is some place they can be happy at right so um, prioritizing the work, right? At the end of the day, it's got to, the work's still got to get done, but it's being careful about those stressful times. So in that example that I, I just gave there, right? Obviously a little stressful because there's going to be more work going on and people can lose focus as to what is important and what's not. Maybe the focus, and this was my client's concern, was, um, you know, it's going to be on MI next, you mm -hmm. know, and am I going to get cut next? And so helping people understand that all Although that isn't necessarily a trivial issue, it's it's still something that isn't important in the scope of where we're at right now and how we're moving forward with this organization. Well, I think as leaders, that's something, you know, obviously you can help. And I'm sure you helped him address, you know, how to make them feel like, you know, not everybody's up on the block, um, you know, so if right. you're not performing at the level that this person was that we exited, then you're you're not a candidate for that right. opportunity. But um, I think, you know, going back and so not only, you know, prioritizing the work based on your core, but then get real clear on the roles and expectations of your people mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. making sure that what they think they're supposed to be doing is what you think they should be doing, um, that there needs to be alignment there. And then then that, I think, helps naturally prioritize, you know, these are the top three things, everything else, you know, we'll get to as we can. And then, you know, what's interesting is that once you really have identified those roles and expectations, then you got other strategies to help you out, like let's do some cross training. Absolutely. So, we build, so we build some of that capacity. Um, maybe there's opportunities to use technology in new ways yes. that can really increase your capacity. Uh, maybe there's things that, um, you know, even with customers, self-service types of things. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, um, lots of businesses have been doing that. You know, you can yeah. go walk into a, uh, 
a store right now and go purchase everything yourself without ever having to say hello to another human being with a self-checkout, right? Yeah. Um, so are there other ways there that we can build capacity? And that was so when I was doing research for, for this episode, Dewey, I, I and I, I'm sure you all see it on my notes here. I had a kind of a question mark. So I was like, you know, thinking about giving tasks to your customers. Does that seem right? And then I thought about the Aldi method. You know, so if you have an Absolutely. Aldi where you're at, uh, Aldi is my favorite grocery store now. And at first it took me a minute to like recognize, like I have to bag all these items myself. I just spent $200 in groceries. But what I'm getting in return for that is, you know, obviously a, a little bit less strain on the bank account because the prices are so good. So I'm I'm paying less, but I'm and my service is less. That should be expected. My favorite thing that Aldi does is they charge people a quarter, quarter for, for a basket. The cart. For the yeah. cart, right? So they don't have to bring they the carts They never back. have to have an yeah. employee go out into the parking yeah. lot and bring those carts in because they're everybody wants their, their little yeah. quarter back, right? And, yeah. and here's the thing. Aldi's had that business model for Long time. Yeah. decades Long time. and decades and decades and decades. And yeah. yeah. It's, that's not new to them at all. Yeah. No. And what's cool to me, I'll just throw it out there, but you know, now I've gotten my son interested in like learning the process of scanning the items and now he helps me bag while we're there. So it's actually creating a, a bonding experience mm-hmm. <laughs> for families versus, you know, um, just your typical. He's got to know how to customer. get his own groceries That's when right. he gets older. That's right. <laughs> so what are some other ideas? Um, we talked about clarifying roles and expectations. Um, you know, I, I do feel like in this, we're talking a lot about from the leader's point of view, mm-hmm. but I do want to emphasize that there's an element of ownership individuals have to take in all of this to like don't wait for someone to say oh I'm going to cross train you you know like I, I think I've come to you all before and I'm like, I in this process, here's what I know I'm bad at and what I would like to learn more of. Um, I've even intentionally tried to reach out to people with an extension who are, are, you know, good in strategic planning and other things that I can learn how their brains operate. I mean, I think it's important that we have a role to play in that as just individuals, too. Well, that's that individual resilience, I think, mm-hmm. that we mentioned in our last episode last week. Um, you know, uh, employees who are just going to give their power away and start blaming other people or blame the organization for it, you know, those, they're not going to do well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they'll probably have increased burnout and increased stress because they are just playing the victim. Um, so this is about people having to step up to the plate. They've got to take responsibility. they got to take ownership for themselves, including how they feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if an employee stress out, what are they going to do about it, right? Now, as a leader, I certainly can offer support. I can offer, you know, other programs, well-being programs, things like that, but they've got a role to play. What other final additions would you make to considering what leaders can do in maximizing resources? Is there anything we've, we've missed? I guess the other thing that you might want to consider is, um, you know, taking care of yourself physically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're not eating healthy, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not, um, uh, you know, you got some health problems, you know, and you you haven't gone to the doctor. Um, well, maybe now's the time when you're burned out. Maybe now's a good time to go see your doctor um, and to um, maybe make a plan mm-hmm. um, about how you're going to take care of yourself physically. Modeling that. So you're saying modeling that like as the leader for your people to see as well. Go back to that fable, you know, the the man with the golden goose or, right. you yeah. know, I, just this idea. If you don't take care of the goose, um, then you're not going to continue to get the golden eggs. That's and right. so that goes for you as an individual, as a leader and as making sure that you're in a healthy space physically, emotionally, you know, all of it in order to to not only model for your people, but you've got 
got to be, you've got to have that endurance um, in order to go the distance. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you all, how do you feel or what, what would be your response to a leader who suggests that they wouldn't want to show the vulnerability of, you know, I'm in a place of feeling stressed or burnt out. I don't want my people to see that. Do you feel like it could be a benefit to have a dialogue with your employees about where you're at? Could that enhance relationships or could it harm or hinder your level? Well, I certainly would rather see my leader initiate a conversation about that. And then, you know, what he or she plans to do, Mm -hmm. you know, what you know, if it's an individual thing, like if they just find themselves in a hard season. Yeah. Um, I'd rather a, a leader initiate that conversation than to let it go unchecked and have your people watch you come apart Mm -hmm. because then you're you're sending a conflicting message and then i think your credibility Mm -hmm. um diminishes so i'd rather see that initiation you know i would probably not choose to wig out all over them (laughs) um because i think that's part of controlling your emotional intelligence right the regulation so i might be feeling these things do i have words for these feelings you know as opposed to you know totally coming unglued. Right. This might not be the right environment. Yeah. And what I, when I, when you're saying that, Ray, what I'm, what I'm thinking and what I'm, I guess I'm hearing is transparency is great, but let's not scare people to death. Right. As a leader. Um, Cause I think that that is a fine balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know here at MTI years ago when things weren't going so well and somebody came in and we kind of opened the books and it did scare one person off the team. Mm-hmm. Um, now the rest of us, though, because the leader was so uh, open about it and so vulnerable about it, uh, he made that decision to open the books. But and the rest of us rallied around him mm-hmm. um, because we we loved him. <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to help solve the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting that the person who bailed was relatively the relatively new person, you know, who probably hadn't had the opportunity to develop that relationship with this leader. Yeah. But I also, you know, knowing him, um, who you're speaking of, I'm also sure it was in his delivery Absolutely. of that, that transparency Absolutely. that um, brought about, you know, guess what? We'll be okay. Mm-hmm. This is where we are and it looks tough right now, but I think, you know, the way he delivered it and I'm, I'm guessing just because uh, of what I know about him, um, I'm sure instilled confidence yeah. by his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it is. I just... I think that I, I love this concept of really just being able to, to model the way, you know, we talk about that just in general, general leadership skills too, but especially when you're going through this, this stage, the stress or whether it's leading to burnout. Um, and I, I'd heard people say that, you know, I, I got to save face. I don't want to show my people that I'm in this space. And to me, and of course this is probably the blue in me, but I'm like, that's what makes you human. You know, I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I want to see that. Um, but I agree there's a delicate balance there as well. Um, and so thinking through now, kind of jumping back into this idea of, of self-ownership there and recognizing what can I do individually? I mentioned earlier being able to say like, hey, I want to cross train, you know, jumping into a space like that. What are some other ways that we can really regain um, that 
responsibility or accountability to ourselves on a day-to-day basis with our production. Well, and we just, I think we just had this not as an episode not too long ago, but I think there's a lot of things there with time management, Mm -hmm. right? About how we're using the time that we have, Um, you know, and again, I think we mentioned that in that episode that I hate that term time management because you're, it's not about managing time. It's about managing yourself Mm -hmm. um, and with the time that you have and having to be accountable for that, you know, I think is important, but there's that individual ownership again, right? Um, so there's lots of things you could do there with the idea of time management, you know. Um, you know, I like things like block scheduling. So instead of having my email up and running all day long and being interrupted by it every darn time I get an email, I open it up, you know, two or three times a day and the rest of the time it's closed so mm-hmm. that I can concentrate on what else I'm doing. So that's just an example of, of some time management things. I think that we we talked about in that other episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think in, in the day-to-day crunch, you know, I think this can come from a, a, a leader perspective, but I also think as an individual, um, you know, employee, I think really, you know, I I hate meetings. <laughs> you guys know I hate meetings. I, uh, you know, I really uh, started hating them when I was a teacher and, um, you know, faculty meetings, they were worthless. But I think understanding what purpose a meeting holds Mm -hmm. and making sure you're the right person to be at the meeting. So I think it's always good to ask a few questions to ensure that one, a a meeting needs to be convened and um, two, that you're the right person or you have the right people at the meeting. So, you know, meetings, I guess, you know, this idea of time and, and managing yourself with the time that you've been given. But I think all of it ties back into recommitting to why you're here, Mm -hmm. you know, and what your purpose is and accepting yourself. Because I will tell you, sometimes this is just how it is. Mm -hmm. That's just it. Right. There's nothing there's nothing bigger. There's nothing more complex. This is just it. And sometimes just sitting in that kind of unloads a lot of the other things that we might be thinking we're doing or not doing or, you know, judging. Um, Sometimes it just is. Yeah. And, you know, when in those moments, it's I think it's important that people recognize that they have a choice. You always have a choice in how you respond in these kinds of situations when we're experiencing burnout and stress. Um, so it, it, this is just sometimes the way it is. Now, how are you going to respond? Exactly. To it? How are yeah. you going to respond to it? I think in all fairness, you know, to our emotions, we need to clarify emotions. You don't always emotions are spontaneous, mm-hmm. right? They're there put there for a reason. So you don't get to go, you know. I can't feel sad about this. You, if you're sad, you're sad, right? That's a, a spontaneous response to whatever's going on in the environment. What Brianna and I talk about, and you know, when we're talking with our our participants or you know clients that have gone through the emotional intelligence or the EQI, um, is recognizing that emotion, and then what you're talking about is the regulation. Mm-hmm of that emotion. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of getting a, getting a handle on the difference between perceived and expressed. 
All emotions are valid, but not all behaviors are appropriate. Right, Ray? Yep. Yep. And I want to jump back to something you mentioned earlier, too. You're talking about meetings, and I couldn't help but think about this stat I just pulled um, where it was talking. Microsoft did a 2022 work trend index, and I'll put the link to it in the episode description. Uh, But it shows that since February of 2020, employees saw a 252% increase in their weekly meeting time. And an increase in the number of weekly meetings by 153%. Oh, my gosh. we, we It's all virtual. Well, right? let's, let's put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. That was the only way people were connecting. That's right. Yeah. So I think if you, you know, let's define what they meant by that's meetings. That's true. Um, that's true. That's how many times, you know, Zoom put out a link, you know, that, <laughs> then, yeah. I mean, but that makes sense, right? That was the absolute only way people were connecting. Um was by convening a meeting or, you know, whatever huddle. I think some new words came up as a result. But, um, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I think reasonability and and access um, have changed. But still make sure you know more about the meetings before you're showing up. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it necessary? <laughs> exactly. I think that's, that's the question. Exactly. To ask. Is this really necessary? Can we accomplish what we need to accomplish without necessarily having a meeting? Well, and I'm even going to challenge that, you know, because one of the things that is interesting to me, we, you know, we've been talking the last couple episodes about how our middle managers there sit, sit about 40, 48 percent or so uh, on the scale of burnout, which is the highest worker group in most of the workers from that Gallup study. But when I think about the meeting, not only are typically those middle managers meeting with their employees and, you know, and creating um, a cadence of meetings with them, they then are turning around and not being the leader anymore, but yet the follower in meetings with their superiors. And so I even challenge like the leaders of an organization to consider how many meetings are you having to where you're asking your people to come and follow directions uh, and then turn around and then give the directions because that vertical, that kind of that that, that 180 that keeps happening is whether you're a, a leader or a follower in a setting can really leave people feeling emotionally exhausted sometimes. Well, when are they um, going to have time to do their job. Well, that too. <laughs> that too. Right. Yeah. I'm, if exactly. I'm always in meetings and, and when I hear somebody say, you know, oh, I've got eight meetings today. I'm like, that's that's not right. Yeah. You know, somebody needs to be making some different decisions here. Yeah. And it's probably the person who's agreed to go to all eight meetings. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because you could delegate that. Right. You know, and there there's there's definite times, you know, obviously we're a mighty team of three. But when we meet, it's with the three of us. Um, but, you know, I remember I would send somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, if there wasn't like a crucial core competency decision that was going to be made in the meeting, I would send someone else. You know, first of all, it gives them FaceTime and honest. Let's be honest. That's important. If you want to move Mm -hmm. up within an organization, people need to have seen you and seen you in action. And so I if people were slated for that path, then, yeah, I had to put them in positions or at least offer those opportunities for people to go and be seen. Um, And we talk about, you know, what's the purpose of the meeting and why are you being sent and, you know, things like that. So I think, you know, even. Even if, you know, there's so many opportunities, um, you know, delegate that task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there probably are people that want to get out of their norm and go in a different space and, sure. you know, be seen and, and figure out the, the workings. 
One final tip I would give with this too, when I think about kind of ownership of your day-to-day production, and you all are going to laugh for a minute, but I started this tactic a while back because you know me, I'm, I'm the one that typically likes to converse with people and have conversations. And what I quickly started learning is these conversations weren't 10 or 15 minutes. There was one colleague in particular who would come in sometimes and it would be a 30 or 45 minute conversation. Sometimes I was that colleague. But in this particular case, <laughs> in this particular case, I was like, I got work, I got to get done. And so I had a chair sitting in, you know, right at the front door where they'd come in and sit down. And, and when I started learning is if people sit down, they stay longer. Absolutely. And so I started taking, and I've had people call me out in trainings on this, but I'd start taking my case of water and I'd set it in the chair so that they couldn't sit down. Mm-hmm. You're amazing <laughs> how so, quickly those little conversations would go when they're standing. They do. They do. And so limiting interruptions, you know, sometimes is important. And, and if you are a social butterfly, you know, that does, that gets hard. So you've got to find little discreet ways, which I guess it's not so discreet anymore now that our listeners are hearing it, uh, that you you can do that, though, and help yourself kind of manage those interruptions to to really increase. Production. And if you don't have something on your chair, then another trick is just to stand up when somebody yes. enters your space ah. and just remain standing because, you know, that's kind of like saying, don't sit down. Let's yeah, there, let's there, hash it this creates an urgency, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, one of you guys remember this when I had a office, you know, on campus where you guys are, you know, I would if I would close my door, I'd always put a note on my door of mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've done that for years um, just because just because, you know, sometimes it would say I'm just quietly working. Come on in, you know, or sometimes it would say, you know, I'm I'm planning this or I'm, you know, on a call. But that's another way to, you know, maybe remove some of those interruptions or be at least proactive in, mm-hmm. and set in some those. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Well, as we're wrapping this up, do you all have any other final thoughts as we are concluding this series on uh, doing more with less? All right. Anything we haven't touched on so far? I, I don't know if it's anything that we haven't touched on. I would just, I would just remind people that in these moments of burnout, these moments of stress that you have choices and um, you get to own it. You get to own those choices. Yeah. You know, I think we might have mentioned this, but sometimes a coach can help. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're feeling stuck, you know, and, and you really don't see a way out, um, sometimes a coach will just ask just the right question mm-hmm. and it unlocks a whole new perspective. Yep. And Ray is humble and kind in that, but isn't, you know, hasn't said to it to you all yet, but she is open and taking opportunities now for some of those coaching sessions. She is taking appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're looking for some professional or uh, executive coaching opportunities, give us a call. Uh, email us. Uh, you can email Ray directly. Her email is on our website, but uh, mti at missouri.edu. And we'd love your feedback on this series and all of the series uh, for that matter. And of course, if you have different topics or ideas moving forward, send those to us as well. We look forward to bringing you some more great content next week. And until then, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Peace.